0: Hi everyone, today we're going to talk about composites, specifically an insight titled Advanced Materials Primer Series, Carbon and Glass Fiber Composites, by Leilang Zhang and Julia Atwood, published on March 19th. You can find it through a quick search on BNF.com, the BNF mobile app, or on BNF Go on Terminal. So what is a composite? According to the report, it's a material composed of at least two distinct components that work together to provide superior performance than either of them individually. Typically, the primary component is the feedstock, or matrix, which provides support, while the secondary component is a reinforcement, which provides strength and stiffness. Okay, so when I read this, I thought of two things. The Ten Commandments and Star Wars, you know, the movies. In the 1956 epic, Pharaoh, aka Yule Brenner, commands that no straw can be used to make bricks. The reply to that was, how can people make bricks without straw? The combination of mud and straw to make bricks is actually the first known composite. In Star Wars, that's obviously when Han Solo was frozen in Carbonite in The Empire Strikes Back. Okay, well, I got that one wrong. Carbonite isn't actually a composite, but a flash-frozen carbon gas. But it's not real either, so maybe I wasn't wrong. Um, anyway. Today, we're going to talk with Dr. Julia Atwood, who leads BNF's coverage of advanced materials. She's going to introduce us to composites, which seem to be growing in importance as they make their way into more and more areas of industry. We'll go over the uses for composites, which ones you'd use for a given job, their advantages and limitations, costs, and future demand. We'll also talk about what's next for BNF in this new research channel. Please note that BNF does not provide investment or strategy advice, and you can hear a full disclaimer at the end of the show. I'm Mark Taylor, head of product for BNF, and you're listening to Switched On, the BNF Client Podcast. Hi, Julia. How are you doing?
1: Good. Thanks, Mark. How are you?
0: Good, good. Thanks for coming in. Can you start us off today by telling us a bit about the advanced materials coverage
1: at BNF? Absolutely. So advanced materials is a new topic for BNF because we're really interested in what's going on in the world of materials. There's broadly three things that we want to cover. The first is composites which we're gonna be talking about today. The second is cool new forms of manufacturing like 3D printing or how we can make the whole industry greener. And then the last is around sustainable materials in the circular economy. That's driving a lot of change in materials for companies. So that's why we're really interested in it.
0: Uh, how, did, how did you get into the, into the field?
1: I have been in materials for a long time. So I'm an engineer by training. Okay. Uh, but I always loved chemistry. So when I was studying engineering, I decided I wanted to specialize in materials because it gave me the best of both worlds. I could be a chemistry nerd one day and be talking to you about a turbine engine the next.
0: And you're based here in London?
1: Yes. Is that right? I okay. am.
0: I don't know why I asked that as a question. I sit near you. Um, <laughs> so how do you, how do you get to work?
1: I'm really lucky. I can cycle to work, and I have this gorgeous route along the river, so Uh I get to kind of see the sun rising every morning over the buildings of London.
0: Okay. That was also a loaded question, everybody. Julia cycles to work, and I wanted to talk about her bike. Is your bike carbon fiber? Is it made out of carbon fiber?
1: It is not, I'm sad to say.
0: Ah, that's the topic of today's conversation. We're going to be talking about composites, as we said, and we're going to frame it in terms of Julia's bicycle. Would you want a carbon fiber bicycle?
1: I absolutely would. Oh, there you go. The only reason I don't have one is because I have this emotional connection to my bike right now. Because I <laughs> got it for 15 pounds from one of the technicians in my old lab at university. Uh,
0: okay, but why would you want a carbon fiber bike?
1: Oh, Because they're just so cool, Mark. Okay, why are they cool? <laughs> <laughs> they're cool because they have this gorgeous shape. Carbon fiber you often see as a woven material. So it's uh-huh. got this beautiful, like... um basket weave on the materials. And the other thing is like, I'm not a big person. It's pretty hard for me to lift my massive steel commuter bicycle that I have right now. Right. Whereas a carbon fiber frame, super light. One of our colleagues, Jonas, he is very much into his bicycles. And he was telling me that the frame of his racing bike weighs less than a kilo. Now, Jeez. even I could lift that. Wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. So wait is one advantage of carbon fiber. What's, a, what's another? Why else would people
1: want it? The other great thing about it is because it's primarily plastic, you can leave it outside and it's not going to rust. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of bikes at university just deteriorating because they had to be left outside because none of us had garages.
0: Yeah. I um, see it on my street all the time.
1: Exactly. So it's, it's much more durable. So that's a big advantage. If you're going through the daily wear and tear, you're leaving your bike out in the rain. Uh-huh. And then the other thing is that it feels much stiffer. Um, so a lot of people don't notice because they ride the same bike all the time. But if you change to a much stiffer bike, everything just feels better. You can turn corners more easily. Hmm. It doesn't feel as wobbly.
0: So in the, in the note, in the primer, you talk about weight. You talk about mechanical properties, the stiffness, the durability. One thing we're not going to talk about in relation to bicycles is the electrical and thermal properties. Could you touch on those just a little bit?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, carbon fiber is, it can be a lot of things as a material. It's very easily tailored to one thing or the other, and different applications want different things. So for example, in an aircraft, you do not want your material to be electrically conductive. So that's why carbon fiber is great because it can be an insulator. All right. Now, in some cases, if you manufacture the material in a certain way, then because carbon in the same way as graphite can be used as an electrode, it can be electrically conductive. So that's, that's another one of the benefits of composites is that you can kind of make them what you want by changing how you're manufacturing them. And designers love that because it means they don't have to have excess material. They can just have what they need in the place where they need it. So it's efficient, which every engineer loves.
0: Actually, okay, so what would a, we, we use the term carbon fiber loosely, but but what would a, a carbon fiber, quote unquote, bicycle be made of and why? Like what composite would you choose?
1: You would definitely choose a carbon fiber. What options are available, sorry. So you could, right now, most bicycles are made from either steel or aluminum or carbon fiber. So steel is your, like, retro, super heavy, I don't care about weight kind of bike. Um, It's cheap, it's cheerful, it'll do the job. Aluminum is, in the 70s and 80s, when people thought they were fancy, they would get an aluminum bike. It's a bit lighter, still the same basic manufacturing techniques, so nothing big had to change for the people making it. Or you have carbon fiber. That's very specialized, pretty expensive. You're talking about like five or $6,000 for a bike rather Mm -hmm. than my 15 pounds, which is about $25. (laughs) Um, But it's much more difficult to manufacture. You have to do it by hand. And what's in there is really interesting because there are a few different ways that you can use composites to make something. The basic constituent materials are carbon fibers, which just basically look like threads, and you can weave them. Uh, you can place them next to each other in the same way as you would deal with like a fabric. Mm-hmm. So when you're making something with a composite, what they do is they take these fibers, which are the strong bit, and then they coat them in a plastic. And normally for carbon fiber, that's an epoxy. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's called the prepreg, is that right? Yeah. I read that right.
1: Okay. Yeah. So when you combine these two, the fibers and the polymer. Then you get a prepreg. Okay. And then you've got like a sheet of something that you then want to place in a mold. Okay. Most of this is done by hand, and it's incredibly tedious. Basically, what you do is you put the prepreg in the mold, and then uh, you get a big roller, and then you roll more of the polymer resin that's the matrix on top of it. It's like putting up wallpaper, but you have to put up layer upon layer upon layer. It's like wallpaper that you have to put up 50 times in order to get the pattern that you want. Is
0: that why it's so expensive? Yes. Okay.
1: That's one of the big reasons. The other one is scale. um, And that's just about getting more people using carbon fiber so that we make more of it so that it gets cheaper.
0: Mm -hmm. What What other limitations are there besides cost?
1: I mean, cost is the big one because it's just such a difference. Like carbon fiber costs about $20 a kilogram. Steel is like less than a dollar. And then aluminum is around two and a half dollars a kilogram. So cost is what the whole industry is focusing on. The manufacturing is important as well, because if you have to make something by hand, that's expensive. You normally make big things out of carbon fiber so you'll make a wing for an airplane or you'll make the the body frame of a car because if you're going to go to the trouble of making this mold you want to be able to use it multiple times and have it be a big proportion of what you're making but the one of the other problems is that everybody knows how to deal with metal you have design standards Mm -hmm. you know what's going to happen to it as it ages you know how to recycle it one of the big, big problems with carbon fiber is that there's not much recycling capacity. okay. And I'm sure you've seen all the stuff around plastic waste. Right. Nobody wants to be creating any more plastic waste these days. That's pretty bad for PR. Right. So when you come to the industry and say, I want to use this material that's made from petrochemicals and we don't recycle a lot of it, everyone's like, whoa, whoa, hold the phone. <laughs> is this the environmentally friendly thing that we want to be doing? Right. My answer to that is twofold. One is when you're thinking about cars and airplanes, super light, high-performance materials like composites, it's going to help you in the short term to reduce your emissions. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like problem number one. At the end of the day, even if you have to collect up and store all the carbon fiber waste in the world, there's not that much of it right. because we've only been using it in serious quantities since the 80s or 90s. And a lot of it is in things that we're still using, like, airplanes. Okay. These were specialty, uh, high-performance goods that nobody wants to throw away. Yeah, you have a chart
0: in there that shows, like, when carbon fiber started to appear, right? Yeah. Somewhere around the 80s, and that, that was mostly in airplanes? Yes.
1: Okay. The aerospace industry has been one of the first people to adopt it, partly because you don't make that many planes a year. You know, it's a few 1000 mm-hmm. Um, So it's reasonable to spend a lot of money on your materials and your manufacturing. And also because fuel is such a huge cost for them. So they can cut their costs by using this light material. Plane can go the same distance, less fuel.
0: You mentioned the pet chems are are the feedstock for these uh, carbon fibers. What about for the end composite? Mm -hmm. Um, But in the note, you had a single few words in there that talked about bio-based feedstocks. Where is that and what might those be?
1: So the bio-based feedstocks can be used for both the fiber and the polymer that goes in the matrix. The polymer matrix, that's a more developed area for biofeedstocks, and we're actually writing a note on that as we speak. There you go. So look out for the (laughs) bioplastics work, people. Um, For the fibers themselves, that's much earlier stage. It's either made from oil products to get what we call a pan fiber, or from coal to get what we call a pitch fiber. Mm -hmm. Pitch is a little bit better. It's a slightly stronger material. So it is coming from these oil products, but at the end of the day, all you need is carbon in some form. And carbon isn't everything. So I've heard of some people trying to make carbon fibers from coconut residue, Um, but any kind of biomass could, in theory, be used. It's just a question of figuring out the processing route and convincing enough people to build the factories.
0: So we've talked about manufacturing a little bit. We've talked about the choices you have in making a carbon fiber or an FRP. Is that what you call it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, A fiber
1: reinforced plastic. There you go.
0: A composite. (laughs) What applications are there out there besides aerospace and what else we say? Cars.
1: So the big one that well, really... And, and bicycles. Uh, naturally. The bicycles thing kind of leads into what sort of nurtured the composite industry when okay. it first came out. And that was really sporting goods. So like tennis rackets, golf clubs, yeah.
0: bicycles. So the, the applications, you have aerospace, you have sporting goods, you have automotive. What else do we have?
1: Well, there are a bunch of companies that are trying to combine composites and 3D printing mm. because they think that what that is going to do is to allow carbon fiber to move into a bunch of sectors that it never could before. So an example would be a robotic arm. A robotic arm has a ton of small, awkward pieces. Now, because the manufacturing is so difficult and specific for carbon fiber, you wouldn't really want a guy there trying to like lay up teeny-weeny bits of carbon fiber in order to make a gear. But what you could do is 3D print it. So that's how we think carbon fiber is going to move into other sectors, is by improving the way it's manufactured um, and by using a lot more
0: automation. Another one you mentioned in in the report was wind. Can you comment a little bit on that?
1: Yeah. So the wind industry has been a pretty big user of composites. The difference is we've been talking mostly about carbon fiber composites, whereas what the wind industry uses is mostly glass fiber composites. Okay big difference is that it's much cheaper. So carbon fiber is like $20, glass fiber is like 4 It's still pretty light. It's just not quite as strong and not quite as stiff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's been serving the wind industry pretty well. And even as their blades have been getting longer and longer and longer, the glass fiber manufacturers have just been adapting. And they've been using all of these sort of properties that you can change by changing the direction of the fibers to make it work. So people have been talking about when is the industry going to move to carbon fiber for a long time? And the answer answer is is, (laughs) (laughs) they only will once the glass fiber people put their hands up and say, this is the limit of what we can do. This is kind of the fundamental end of the road. Can't squeeze any more from this material.
0: And if I were the glass industry, I would say never, I would never say that.
1: Yeah, and right. that's what they do say. Okay. So what they've started to say now is, okay, maybe you need carbon fiber at this one bit close to the the base of the wind turbine yeah, where it's going to yeah. connect um, to the hub. Yeah, where the blade connects to the hub. But most of it, you're good with glass fiber. Okay. And it was a similar thing, you know, when when they were moving from say wood to glass fiber, mm-hmm. it was like replace things iteratively. That happens so much in materials. I always talk about materials as like the performance enhancement of last resort, because it means you have to change your supplier, you have to change your manufacturing technique, but what it gives you is a step change in performance. Right, right. And that's why people change. That or sustainability. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the landscape, though, you mentioned, you kind of alluded to it. You have to change your supplier, you have to change your whole way of doing things. I think we, we might have saved this for another day, but uh, the supply chain for carbon fiber can't be that deep, can it? No,
1: it's very much consolidated. So the biggest producers of carbon fiber are really a few Japanese and U.S. companies. Uh The interesting thing is that China has actually designated carbon fiber as a strategic industry. So while most of since when? Oh, I think it was in their made in 2025 plans. So it was a few years ago, and that's really when we started to see a jump in capacity from the Chinese manufacturers. Hmm. So they have big ambitions. Even though most carbon fiber is now made in either Japan or the US, if China meets the kind of targets that they have for installing new capacity, they'll leapfrog the Japanese suppliers. Oh. That would be huge for the market. So right now, capacity is about 150,000 metric tons per year. And China wants to install, like one Chinese company wants to install 60,000 metric tons of capacity. So big, big things could happen (laughs) in carbon fiber.
0: Yeah. Wow. Two more questions. One, let's say I'm a a BNF client. What is the one thing that you want me to take away from this report?
1: What I want you to take away is carbon fiber is the material of the future, and it's getting better in every way.
0: The material of the future or a material of the
1: future? Oh, I... On the spot. Ugh. A material of the future then. Okay, because we can't make computer chips out of it. Yeah, fine. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's like in in every way I see in my job how it's getting better. Uh Manufacturing's getting better. People are starting to recycle it in large quantities. Costs are coming down. As soon as cost comes down, the rest of it, it's like a no-brainer.
0: Right. And the cost will come down from more and more companies like this one in China, building more of it or doing more of it, right?
1: Exactly. And as much as you can standardize parts, that helps a lot. Okay. That's what the aerospace industry did. They said, we want this tube of this dimension, make a, a lot of them for us. Uh-huh. And they were able to bring costs down to like $10 a kilogram. So it's hugely important to standardize and make lots.
0: Very cool. Final question, what's next in this uh, this research pipeline?
1: So what we're going to be writing on next is around company and country strategy. We're going to write a note on China's plans for the composites industry, and we're going to release some company profiles. So to your question about the supply chain, right. we're going to show where all the manufacturing capacity is, who's making it, and what they're going to do next.
0: Excellent. Thanks for joining us, Julia.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And thanks, everybody, for listening to Switched On. Bloomberg NEF is a service provided by Bloomberg Finance LP and its affiliates. This recording does not constitute nor should it be construed as investment advice, investment recommendations, or a recommendation as to an investment or other strategy. Bloomberg NEF should not be considered as information sufficient upon which to base an investment decision. Neither Bloomberg Finance LP nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this recording and any liability as a result of this recording is expressly disclaimed.